Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Thank you for coming. I'm glad I didn't scare you away um, after speaking this morning. So that's a good sign. Um, we'll try to work with this room. Um, it's not your greatest classroom setup, of course, especially if we're going to have a little bit of interaction uh, with one another. Um, but um, thank you for coming. My name is Carol Bremer Bennett, and um, it's, it's just uh, a pleasure that you guys want to come and explore a little bit more how you can help your classrooms and help your students uh, change people's story. At World Renew, we talk about changing the story of people of poverty from a story of living in poverty to a story of people flourishing as God intended and desires for us. And we do that, of course, because of our mission and our desire is we're compelled by compassion and passion for justice and mercy um, so that we can work together with, in communities around the world to reconcile uh, lives, renew hope, and restore creation. Um, and so we base that, as I, I talked about this morning, about this um, idea of where we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be connected when, with one another in those right relationships with God, right relationships with others, right relationships uh, to God's creation, and even our right relationships with ourselves. In, um, in Navajo, there's a concept called hojo, uh, which is about that balance that you have in all things and how you're called to live and be people who live in balance. And we often uh, let the busyness of life, uh, the idea of individualism and self-seeking um, and just sin, you know, get us out of balance for what God's really calling us um, to do and who he's calling us to be. So, um, we're going to spend a little time thinking about that and have some time for interactions, so don't get too comfortable in your seat because we are going to move around into some, uh, some groups to, to talk and, and uh, look at this. I think a lot of you know this um, saying, right? Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man a fish, or teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Um, we, of course, at uh, World Renew and other community development organizations, we you know, really believe in the same, but we also recognize the weakness in it. It's missing some pieces. Um, and that's part of the work that we have to be brave and go into some holy, bold spaces to, um, to change the world and change the perspectives. Because the reality is, is that um, not everyone who knows how to fish gets access to the pond. Um, perhaps it's privately owned or you're not allowed to be there for this reason or that reason. Um, maybe there's fees to uh, get access and so you're actually shut out. So it doesn't matter that you know how to fish, you're still not able to feed your family. And then we have the situation where not all of the fish are in clean waters and so um, if the water is being polluted um, and the fish are picking up that pollution, uh, it may not be good to actually eat those fish, even if you know how to fish. Um, what you're eating could be actually a poison to your body. And so that can be a problem. In some of the places we live, there's some of the most terrible um, episodes of, of pollution and not much regulation. Um, and we know even in places where there is a lot of reg regulation and, and uh, awareness and knowledge and good systems, we still uh, in Michigan right now are dealing with a huge issue of PFAS in the water, which is a chemical um, that is leached through the, into the groundwater and is uh, showing up all over the place in things that we um, take into our bodies, not only the water, but also um, the fish and, and wildlife. Now they're starting to find things like deer and venison. And then, of course, there's this issue of uh, what if the man you've taught how to fish is not a man? It's a woman. And in a culture uh, where only men are allowed to go and do certain things and provide for families, you have a woman who perhaps is a widow. Um, she doesn't get access to be able to learn how to fish or to fish, even if she does know how. And so those are the kinds of things that we are working on at World Renew. And we want your students in your classrooms to approach um, how you can change the story of poverty, the story that we tell ourselves um, differently. We are working really hard to change the mindsets, not only the mindsets of the people who live 
poverty, but also the mindsets of the people who want to walk alongside and help those in poverty. And that brings us to some of the hardest places, of course, in the world. Um, this is a picture of the Bitty Bitty uh, refugee camp, or I'm sorry, this is a place of Cox's Bazaar refugee camp in uh, Bangladesh, where um, suddenly, almost overnight, within just a few weeks, um, almost a million people fled for their lives, and suddenly you've got a, a city of almost a million people who are seeking refuge and um, struggling with how do you cook, how do you feed yourselves, how do you stay safe in such a place. And so we talk about how poverty is not a lack of money, but it's a lack of choice. It's a lack of choice. And we want to free up uh, people, young people especially, to see how they have different choices, to see how they, even in some of the hardest situations, there are things that can be done that can transform their lives and to help them step out of poverty. And so we use asset-based community development. Looking, again, not as uh, into a community to say, what's wrong here? What's missing? What, what should we bring here to this place? I really get after my staff when they talk about even bringing hope to places. Because I don't even think we, we get to claim that we bring that. We may be renewing it. We may be uncovering it. We may be fostering it. We may be doing a lot of things. But to think that somehow we have it and we can transport it over there, puts us in a very dangerous savior complex. Uh, we, we need to be humble at how we can look at our role as we engage people who live in poverty. So, I would like you to enter that humble spot for a few minutes with each other. Um, and I'm gonna ask that um, you actually not take the stories that we might share in the next few minutes out of this room. Because you may know each other, you may know each other's schools, you may go to church with one another, I don't know. You're probably, some of you are probably related to each other or to me. <laughs> but um, but um, if we gonna, we're going to hold our own little failure lab here uh, for a few minutes. And to honestly look and say, if we consider the poor, if we consider our own hearts and passions and, and compassion in ways we've tried to help those living in poverty, the way we foster that in our classroom, our school, our church, our community, where are some things where I could honestly say, you know, maybe, I'm not sure, but maybe that didn't work. Or actually, maybe you know, like the story I shared this morning, maybe you know it didn't work. It backfired and had a completely different result than what you intended. Um, because we have to take, we, we know that intentions uh, can often be good, but the impact can also often be taken in to a different place, in a different direction. So, if you can commit that we're going to keep these stories in here, we're not going to judge one another, your classroom, your school, uh, your person. Um, we're going to keep that confidential, but we're going to take a few minutes to consider um, where have we maybe gone wrong? and uh, share a couple of those stories. So, this is not uh, great for grouping up, but if you could kind of find uh, people, uh, maybe about a group of four is good for sharing some stories. A group of about four people, you can look around you, and I'll help anybody who might be struggling to, um, to share some stories where you think maybe, maybe that didn't work so well. Maybe we went the wrong direction. And then I'm gonna ask groups to share out um, choose one story, um, tell your own story. If you feel like, okay, I can share that with everybody. Um, it's very dangerous to tell other people's stories. Um, all the stories I told this morning, I made sure I got permission from the people uh, to share their stories. So, all right, so if you can group up in about groups of four, okay?
have to help finish building someone's house and great experience, da 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 da. Well, we go back the next year and we meet another member of the church who we didn't meet the first time, but when we met them the second time, things weren't going so well for him and his family. And then we later found out, well, he was the main carpenter in the area. So by us coming down and finishing that house, like you said in right. the keynote, is we took that job from him. We took his livelihood. So then we kind of had to readjust how we do mission work in, for our church down there. And um, so now instead of bringing supplies and bringing people to do it and, um, you know, trying to do the quick fix, we do... Um, We'll go down there, we'll raise funds, but then go down there to pay the local carpenters and people to still use their own supplies and their own labor to finish the jobs, and then we've changed it more into a fellowship, relational type of ministry, not just we'll come fix everything. That's beautiful. What great learning happening, right? And just being attentive to what's going on and what you might actually, the impact you might actually be having. This is a huge lesson that World Renew learned, not soon enough, I'm sure, but now is considered to be one of the leaders in, and so many organizations are following the model, even in hurricane, earthquake, disaster situations, to purchase the things that you are going to give to sustain life, because there is a time when people need their lives to be sustained, um, that that you purchase those things as locally as possible. Um, and so World Renew has learned that and, and tried to learn it really well. That's great. Another, yes. Um, so my husband and I have been taking, we started going and then we started taking students to Guatemala through an organization. And um, the first times we went, I think, had a lot of that, that American Savior mentality ourselves. And then just in wanting to get ourselves educated and so forth, reading great books like When Helping Hurts and just digging into the, the what poverty is. Anyway, so then my husband becomes a board of this, of this organization and, um, and just really starts creating a great relationship with this American man who founded this organization in Guatemala. And through that relationship and through that trust that was built, was able to lovingly challenge him on some things that we, that many of us, not just, you know, my husband and I had all the answers, but were questioning. And, you know, one of them was when we were going to the base camp that American crews would come and just be so happy to throw these kids candy. And so... I mean, weeks and weeks and days and days and days, these kids are getting candy. And so we just, you know, lovingly were able to challenge him on that and, and just realizing that this man loves the Guatemalans and his mind is going about a thousand different directions. And he was very humbled and like, wow, like we will never do that again. And so, yes, it was us realizing that the bigger picture that we're just causing their teeth to fall out um, and but yet not discounting that organization that through our involvement and now that board is primarily all Guatemalans and so the change is so beautiful there but not discounting it but through a relationship with that was built at that board level to then lovingly challenge him on some things that was happening in this organization. And so I think that's my fear is that we see things that aren't going right, and so we just, well, that's a bad organization. They're all wrong. They're, but how then can we come around and lovingly help them see the bigger picture as well? Yes. Roland Hoxbergen and Tracy Caparis from Calvin College recently wrote a book called When Helping Heals. Because there is a fear, if everybody's reading when helping hurts, then maybe you'll stop helping. Um, and there are ways that helping can actually heal. So let us not just say, well, it's too big, it's too complicated, I'm just not even going to enter the whole conversation, right? So I love that story because just looking and just really being aware of how you can change that. I think a lot of people don't realize that one of the larger problems, I mean, I think people realize that in the world there's a lot of malnourishment, 
But um, diabetes is actually a problem in uh, a lot of places where there's also malnourishment and hunger. And um, I see this around the world where um, people have switched to monocropping because of a cash crop like corn um, that can get such a high price. And so farmers abandoned uh, traditional crops and, and have gone for this cash crop, but then they end up, because they're not growing the mixture of things they used to grow to feed their family, they're just feeding their children all corn. Corn is not a sustainable life, uh, you know, food. So, um, so there's much higher instances, not just of teeth problems, but also the, the sugar and the diabetes problem in in the poor, in the in the world of the, the developing world. So, um, yeah, that's something to consider. But I love that. Do we have another story that can be shared? Yes, sir. Um, my wife uh, just. She doesn't anymore, but she ran two crisis pregnancy centers up mm -hmm. in southeastern Wisconsin for about 10 years. And they used to do diaper drives. Schools would do diaper drives. Churches would do diaper drives. And they'd give the diapers away. And they really felt that they weren't making any progress in helping the, the poor and the unwed mothers. Mm -hmm. And so they went to a program where um, they found a parenting curriculum and they would teach the mothers and fathers how to parent, things like how to diaper their baby, how to feed their ba baby, how to bathe their baby, and all, you know, all the parenting skills that they needed. And so what they would ended up doing was, if the, ch the parent would come to a parenting class, they'd get a baby buck. If they did their homework, they'd get a baby buck. Mm -hmm. And then they would open up the boutique where the diapers and clothing and blankets and things were. Mm -hmm. And then they could spend those bucks there. Um, and it was much more fulfilling and a better outcome because you weren't just giving it away. You were They were actually learning and right. developing skills. Right. And even budgeting and planning and yes. saving up baby bucks for certain that, things, yeah, right? that's all part of it. That's great. It was that's great. good. So it didn't work so well at first, but then... Mm -hmm. Any other? One more story. Yes. Uh, our, this is a local story. Our school does a food drive to the local food pantry, and we always do it around Thanksgiving or Christmas time. And the director of the food pantry goes to my church, and she says, I don't want to be ungrateful, but there are other times where we're really desperate for food, mm -hmm. and there are certain times where we have so much, we have to throw it away because it goes bad. Wow. She said, could you change and do it? in the spring, because that's when we get really tight at the end of the school year. And so we're working on adjusting that and, and just asking the organization before we just assume that they need our help. Great. That's great. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. This is hard. It's hard. And so let's hold those stories um, close to our hearts. And thank you for those who are willing to share. Um, it's a hard thing to discern because you want to be wise. Uh, World Renew, you know, we love to get everything right, and so we can fall into that same paralysis of analysis, right? Where we just get stuck for a while before we move on and we really figure out what to do. Um, and so that also can, can hurt in that delay, and so we, we always are balancing these things out. Okay, I'm hoping this works. But I think that we have to uh, laugh at ourselves sometimes and realize, you know what, we're just, we're not going to get everything right. And so we got to give ourselves some uh, space to, to realize that uh, sometimes, even with the best intentions, we're going to get some things wrong and we can, we can laugh at how that comes out. So I probably should have had Safari open for the internet so I could off here too. This is called VBS.
Let's hear from some people about your brainstorming ideas. These are not these do not have to be things you've already done, but things that you're opening up and saying maybe this could be a new way forward as we think about how we can change the story of poverty and how we uh, interact with those living in poverty. So uh, shout out some ideas that your group came up with. I, I can share about. Oh, she's going to go for it right away. Okay. From Huntsville Christian, our three, two years ago, two and a half years ago, our middle school sponsored a refugee family. Oh, wow. And um, helped fill their home. And for a little while, the kids would go and help with the tutoring of the, it was a mom with um, five children mm -hmm. in Holland. And they kind of fell off, but I have been immensely blessed because I still have the relationship right. with that family. And I am blessed by seeing them grow and and become successful. So I've been blessed, but the students, I would say, kind of fell off, so it's not a huge success story there. But I think the success is in the relationship. Whatever yes. we can do to build relationships and learn from the other people is going to be successful. Amen. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Yes? I think the success story, Jackie, probably will be later on in life when those, when those kids become the adults and want to be the refugee sponsor type person, you know, that mm -hmm. kids will remember that forever. Right. You know, playing with those little kids and making those uh, relationships. So. Absolutely. When they know, when they think, well, we did that when we were just in elementary school. My church can do that now, certainly. Yeah. And that was one of my goals as a social studies teacher, that these refugees, it's not just a number. This, these are mm -hmm. stories of individuals, and so we zeroed in to that individual family of six mm -hmm. and got to know their story. So yeah, you're right, Dale, but hopefully down the line, they'll keep thinking. Whenever they hear refugees, they'll think back to that family mm -hmm. and picture them in their mind, and hopefully that will change policy and change their thoughts. Yeah. It's so important to, to bring the faces and the stories back into just what's talked about in the world today. Part of yes. our conversation was uh, providing an opportunity for students to learn and have ownership of. A lot of our schools have traditional service projects. Mm -hmm. In Chicago, we partner with traditional outlets that we've done, um, but giving student voice into it. And then, as we talked about, talking to the students about what are your gifts and talents, and how could you use those to do something broader to connect. And then having a time to schedule time for reflection mm -hmm. after the fact. Amen. Because you need to hear what they took away. So your story of like when you went to there, did you have a time where you shared where you shared that story? And then everybody around the table go, but it's not about us, it's about them and, and that type of thing where we we get we share it's about the pageantry, it's about the marketing, it's about Getting as much competition as possible and then we move on to the next thing versus stopping and going, do we catch ourselves mm -hmm. in, yeah. in that failure? And, and what do the kids walk away with? And what broader questions do they have? Right. So that you can maybe go even farther with that organization or needs that are presented and challenged. I love that. One of the things we do at World Renew that we want to get better at is that whole processing with groups who go on learning trips with us. That years, you know, there's preparation before you go, then there's the event, then what happens afterwards? And are you still processing that? And as great dedicated facilitators of learning, you all know that that's the most important part. And yet we're in such a hurry in our helping, we forget to hit the pause button and consider what what is really what are the students in my classroom in, in this group really walking away with this the major lessons and it's good to do a check in like their post the post check in right and say what what did they walk away from and read what maybe they write down real quick as their takeaways and if they're off on their takeaways you want to pause and try to again gather them back up and re reconsider and, and reteach right that's what we do. And Other stories of success or ideas? I, I think that we can't ignore the, the role that race, and particularly for many of our students, that whiteness and the power dynamics mm -hmm. of whiteness play in this. Mm -hmm. um, and we have powerful opportunities to be teaching all of our students, but especially.
especially our white students, um, from a young age, uh, what, what that means uh, right. in, these, in a lot of these situations, particularly with power dynamics. Um, and the other piece to go with, with yours is, is the learning piece and then asking kids the question, well, why are there housing projects, right? The whiteness and learning about race adds context, but so does asking why are, why are there housing projects, why are people in poverty? Um, in Ottawa County, where we live, there's 3% unemployment, but 50% of, of households in Ottawa County are below, are, they're labeled as asset-limited, income-constrained, but employed. Mm -hmm. So people have jobs, but can't afford housing, can't afford food. Right. Uh, and so learning about why poverty exists helps kids reshape their understanding of what poverty is, then, too, and who is in poverty. Mm -hmm. I, I think, too, go back to your refugee uh, example. There's a misconception between immigrant and refugee. Um, and understanding the powers that be with it, and then how do our approach with it, and and how and it's a broader context with our policies of the country and things like that that you can developmentally appropriate, mm -hmm. bring in that conversation, and not going to do it with second graders, but with, with high schoolers, and how we do it. Because I mean, we even had a at our at our church, we had an adult ed, and the topic was on refugee, but there was a misconception among the adults, <coughs> immigrant policy. Right. This is refugee policy, and what? How does that play a role in, in current context? Right. Yeah. Other ideas for success. I would say uh, allowing students to be a part of the decision making too. Mm -hmm. I mean, we at, when I taught middle school social studies, we learned about micro entrepreneurs and how you know that was transforming uh, you know lives of people and that there were organizations. We learned about studied all that, and then the students. Right around themselves and said, well, we, want to, we want to support some of these organizations. It was all student driven. I said, Great, that's awesome. And they uh, thought of ways on their own and we you know, brainstorm ideas of how we were going to come up with this money. And they worked hard and they did it all themselves. And then we decided as a class how, you know, what we were going to purchase. I think it was a couple goats and chickens, is what mm -hmm. we did. I think it was through Compassion, uh, was the organization we ended up going through. Uh, but it was all student driven and it was all done taking it upon themselves and working through that whole process rather than you just saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, giving them that opportunity to say, hey, what can we do and help them to brainstorm and be a part of that solution. That's great. Yeah. Helping them plan what they're going to do, even if you have, if you're doing something local, I love what you said about the power dynamics, um, to, to, you know, is there even space to reach out to a leader in the community where you're bringing the meatballs and cookies, right? To, um, to say, you know, we'd like to send a small group of students to come and listen to your, your stories and to talk about how we could best have a relationship with you. And you give us ideas of what maybe could be helpful. Um, and just humble yourself to that first step. Now, I'm not going to um, promise you that even people who are living in poverty will get all that right, because there still is a mindset and deficit thinking of, well, I need this and I need that, and, you know, and uh, unfortunately, time and time again, we've sort of reaffirmed that idea of this group will bring things to that group, and so after a while, and being part of um, the Navajo Nation and in the uh, you know, watching how Native Americans have been conditioned to think of, well, we're just supposed to get stuff. So here's our hands, they're out, and just, you know, fill them, and that's gonna be what we can expect from you. Um, and so, you know, generations can be trained in that um, mindset as well. Any other success ideas that you'd like to put out there? I really hope you're thinking about this in a new way. I want to share just a couple of things before we um, close. Uh, this is my friend Mary Oliver from Uganda. And um, I was able to, after hearing the, uh, the, her story in that uh, torrential rain, rainstorm, we went into another um, session and we heard about um, truth-centered transformation. And um, she was sitting there as I was learning, she was learning this too, and it was pretty complex. But what we learned in that lesson that was being taught on that particular day is that we need to confront lies. The, the devil comes in and tells us lies. He, he doesn't care if you're rich or poor. He tries to tell you lies. And I think a lot of times, as somebody who is uh, in that higher power dynamic and um, I often think, well, you know, I'm the one who needs to 
uh, get the truth and to, you know, turn my ways and, and so forth. And I forget that even the poor are susceptible to telling themselves lies. Sometimes I think I have um, sort of how people living in poverty is sort of the saints <laughs> in a way. Like I flipped it in some strange way. And it was really eye-opening for me to hear not only the lies that I can tell myself, um, that I've confronted a long time ago, but to suddenly realize, sitting next to Mary Oliver, that she's not in her head saying, you know, she kind of has those same lies going on inside of her. So listen to some of these lies that we try to confront at World Renew. And we're, now we're speaking to people who are living in poverty. We were born poor and we will die poor. There are so many communities around the world, even in the United States, that have been conditioned to think of uh, basically you know, being helpless. Um, in traditional religions, um, like uh, native uh, religions and so forth, this is a fatalism. Like you're just a powerless person to the forces that be, and it's just going to always be that way. Here's another lie that we try to, to change. We are so poor that we don't need to give. We don't have anything to give. Other people should give to us. And this really traps people into a mindset of dependency. Um, these are painful things to sit some, next to someone who actually is living a life of poverty to hear you know, somebody say, this is a lie. You need to break yourself out of this lie. Here's a lie that I hadn't really thought deeply about that is very strong in the um, church worldwide. And that is this. God only cares about spiritual things. God only cares about spiritual things. So he doesn't care about your physical well-being. He doesn't um, care about your work or career. He doesn't care about your health and hygiene. Um, he doesn't care about material things at all. Um, and so it, it's uh, not a very holistic view of how God created us to be and how to flourish. But a lot of preaching happens around the world that teaches this. Now the flip side of it, which is unfortunately gaining a lot of uh, voice in the, in the development world, is the prosperity gospel, which is if you believe in God and if you pray and have really strong faith, then right here in the Bible it says God's going to bless you with stuff. Um, and it is devastating to see how many people, even in the poorest countries, I, in, again in Uganda, I saw this really long, long line in Kampala. And they all had water jugs. And I said, what? What is going on? Is there like a water shortage? Or, you know, why do people have to line up in such a long line for water? And the people who were hosting me said, oh, no, they're in line at the mega church to get holy water that's been blessed by their pastor. And he charges them for that special water. And they believe that if they drink and use that water, then God's going to bless them because they're being more spiritual than other people. And so they're actually purchasing it. And then that pastor, of course, living quite the high life. And you got it, but you know, it's really devastating to see um, how we get the Bible all mixed up um, in both extremes. Um, God only wants us to evangelize and not address physical needs. We encounter this a lot with the local church partners that we work on, that um, it's just about, you know, getting that conversion moment, and so we don't, we don't need to address physical situations. Um, here's one that a lot of people will tell themselves. Some people are better than other people. And we know that Americans are of some of the best people, and we know that our country, whatever it is, is not. And so when they come, we should listen to everything they say. We should do it because they're better than us, they're smarter than us. We can tell them some really bad ideas that do not work in their context. So please be careful. And as the director, you know, I often get processed into different meetings and sit in the chair of honor and all this kind of stuff. And I have to be so careful with what every, every word I say because they're likely to just go out and do it because that's what the director of World of News said, you know. Um, work is a heavy burden. It's good to work as little as possible. Now this comes from, now we need to take the opposite of that, don't we? In the U.S. where we can be workaholics and we work all the time and we neglect our family. 
This comes from a place of, uh, a beautiful place of recognizing relationship and family and all those connections are so valuable. But it also um, has taught some people to say, if you're working too hard, you're probably uh, selfish and greedy. And um, you probably don't really care about your family, you only care about yourself. And so they twist, uh, the devil can twist that all around. Some jobs are below you, or some jobs are not for your gender. So it's just, you know, don't even go there kind of thing. And a lot of people, some of the lowest jobs to take are being pastors and being farmers. And that's what we mostly work with in World Renew, pastors and farmers. Um, but they've been taught that you're less, you're less than. Um, and we love to remind them how Adam was a farmer. And so many of God's first people and chosen people were farmers. But we have lies too. I've had to confront some of these lies. Um, here's some lies that we can tell ourselves about people who live in poverty. The poor are desperately lacking and we need to give to them. And it's like, it goes perfectly with their first lie, too. It's like we're pitting each other against each other in this sort of weird, twisted way. The poor lack knowledge and skills. They cannot help themselves. I have seen the most ingenious model farmers all over the world who really get it. And then I can take a dairy farmer or a farmer from Iowa on a trip and he may be very tempted to tell that farmer how, how to do things. But in that local context, the local farmer is brilliant. And growing, I mean, growing food and sustaining their family in land that you think, how in the world can anybody live here? Um, and yet they do. Um, the church is unable to make a real difference in addressing physical needs. And so we cripple our own churches. We label the church as broken, and we go around it sometimes. Some of the sadness I see, the, the, the Diocese of Northern Uganda said to me, you know what we like about World Renew? Is you go through the church, you, and you go through the families and the parents. You don't go around. Some of the big um, players in the NGO world, in the international um, development world, are so big that they forget that there is a local church, and they're going around it. Um, and so that's been something that we've really tried to take on. Um, so those are some of the stories and, and lies that are told. And I just want to close uh, with this uh, challenge for you to, um, to truly consider the poor. Consider the people who live in poverty. And then ask, this is our theme verse, what does the Lord require you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Are there any questions? Things you'd like me to comment further on? Yes. So, you know, I see CWRC shifts its name to World, World Renew, and at your um, amazing keynote address talking about semantics and the mm -hmm. importance of that, some of what I've read, like with mission trips, is stop calling them mission trips. Call right. them learning yeah. trips. Call them discovery vision trips. Discovery right. vision trips. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you're like, yeah, we need to we need to stop that right now? Yeah, we we tend not to. We call them learning and discovery trips or tours, okay. in fact. And we try to have it mostly focus on the learning, that humbling yourself to come in and just be amazed at what's already there. Um, and then there can be some service that's done. We're, we're hosting a learning trip to um, Haiti in January. And so we're going to learn about that whole situation and look at asset-based community development. And then there's like two days where they're going to actually be planting trees to help reforest um, some of the hillsides of Haiti. So, you know, you can do a combination, but just to take a little different stance and say, and I really believe in trips, by the way. I really, I know there's been a lot of research about whether they make a difference or not. I think they make a difference, but I think it really matters how you handle them and what you expect. And, um, and if you don't want to create savior mentalities, you've got to do it in a, in a really intentional way. But um, I really believe in bringing young people and churches to different places that are out of their comfort zone. I think it's a great learning space. Anybody else? You can talk to me afterwards. I'm not sure how many tickets I can hand out, so I wanna, I'm supposed to hand out tickets as an exhibitor, and you're supposed to like uh, put them somewhere, right, Robin? Maybe we can 
you write your name on it and you enter join. So get a ticket for me as you leave. And also there's a pick up a gift from Mother New over there. We've got some keychains. There's a little blow up globe yep. if you wish. And some pens. Yes. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.